you're listening to that sober guy podcast on recovery radio living one day at a time for a sober healthy happy life for more information visit www.thatsoberguy.com and now let's start the show this episode of the podcast is brought to you by that sober guy meetings Go to thatsoberguy.com, click on the live meetings tab, and register for the next Sunday morning, 9 a.m. Pacific time, online, on the phone, however you want to do it, support group meeting. We got folks from Canada, Ireland, New York, Washington. I feel like I say the same thing over and over. It's probably because I do. But we got motherfuckers from everywhere coming in on these meetings. And it's pretty cool. Male, female, white, black, brown, doesn't matter. Gay, straight, doesn't matter. We all have the one thing in common, and that's alcoholism and addiction. So we get some great shares from people on some great opinions, some things they've been through, what's worked for them and what hasn't. And we all get to do that. It's that that circle, that fellowship that we get to uh, to be a part of. And to help each other out. And by helping others, we help ourselves. So check that out. That Sober Guy Meetings. Click on the live meetings tab at thatsoberguy.com. Thank you for listening today. First, I want to talk about this month of July. It has been a crazy, crazy month. Had a lot of things going on. Got to enjoy a little mini vacation with the family, which was nice. We went to North Lake Tahoe. Spent some time there. For 4th of July, saw some fireworks, hung out with some friends. It was a damn good time, and uh, it's it needs to happen more. Unfortunately, with the busy schedule with work and life, you got to take it when you can get it and enjoy the hell out of it, and we definitely did that. Um, on, on to other things, birthdays, anniversaries, a uh, couple of different projects going on. And so I do want to apologize for the lack of content this month. I also had to cancel a couple of the meetings this month due to some some tech issues that we are having. Um, and I think I've got that all figured out. And so we're going to be up this this next Sunday once again for the Sunday uh, the Sunday meeting. Oh, I had to take a breath. I get a little out of breath sometimes. I start going. I got to slow down. You feel me? I want you to take a breath right now. Do it with me. One, two, three. Where are you right now? Where am I right now? I'm here. I'm in this moment. I'm talking. You're listening. And we are together. And we are sharing our thoughts, our feelings, things in recovery. So let's get plugged in. I want to read this first email. I had a couple good emails this week, and I really feel compelled to share both of them. Uh, The first one comes from Justin, and he says, Shane, I just found your podcast, and I'm literally in tears. After listening to the first two episodes, we almost have identical stories. The use of drugs is the biggest difference, but almost everything else is identical to what I've gone through in my life. I'm sitting on a plane to Charlotte about to start episode three, but had to email you first. I've struggled with alcohol for all of my adult life. I'm 39. 
It's rooted in a dysfunctional home as a child, but it manifested itself through social drinking to be cool. It slowly evolved to the point that I was drinking every day, all day. I have two kids and a loving wife, and I feel like the biggest piece of shit to ever walk the face of the earth. I've never been in real trouble, but I could be in prison right now if it was not for the grace of God. My entire family knows about the issue, and I've quit many times, or so they thought, so it's a big deal for them to know I drink, although I can hide it well. The last time I drank was Saturday. My sister and family came to visit, and I got wasted prior to them showing up. Needless to say, I was passed out, and everyone knew I'd been drinking. It was bad. For the first time in a really long time, I'm ready to stop. I have not had a drink since Saturday. I'm scouring the internet trying to find spiritual books, podcasts, etc. that can help me with that can help me. When I came across your podcast, it sounded interesting, so I tried it. Wow, it's only been a few days of not drinking. Can't remember the last day I didn't, and I've only listened to a few episodes of your podcast, but for the very first time in a long time, I feel some hope for my life. I can't wait to listen to more. Thanks, man. Keep it up. Justin. Justin as much as the podcast helped you and is helping you, damn, I got to say you helped me on this day when I received this email just a couple of days ago. And let me tell you why. Um, I literally 30 minutes before I got this email, I was just on the phone with my wife. And like I was saying at the beginning of the episode, it's been a busy month. I've had a lot of things going on. A lot of things on my mind and not a lot of time to do some of the things that I want to do and put more time into one of them being the podcast and not only the podcast, but that, that turns into practicing my recovery because that's what the podcast is for me is it is my recovery. It's part of it. You know, it's, it's a, it's a piece of it. So when I start getting these in these little, these little ruts, these little valleys of, of not doing the things that I'm supposed to be doing. And then I know that I should be doing and practicing the last few days, the last week or so I started getting in my head and literally just before I got Justin's email, I was on the phone with my wife and she mentioned something about the podcast. And I said, you know, I said, whatever, what, what is it for anyway? Like, what is it for? Like, what, I mean, why am I even doing it? You know, I'm just, um, I'm just not into it right now. I'm just not feeling it, you know, and that resistance thing is starting to play a part in my head again, just like it did when I was drinking. So sober or not, it's still there. It doesn't matter. And, and I'm here to let everyone else out there know just cause you stop drinking doesn't mean all these things just go away. They don't. They stay around, but here's the difference, the difference today versus when I was, I was using drugs and I was drinking is that now I can recognize it and I can do the things that I know I need to do to counter these thoughts in my mind, to counter these, um, you know, these thoughts of resistance where I know I need to do something. So I get Justin's email and I, and I read it and it's just, I mean, it's amazing. 
it's amazing. Here's a, here's a, you know, a, a random guy, Justin, I'm a random guy. We don't know each other. He happens to come across the podcast and, and it helps him that, you know, during, during the things that he's going through and in turn hearing his story and how we can relate to each other a little bit, dysfunctional family, two kids, a wife back and forth with the drinking thing. Do I have a problem? Do I know? Do I not? You know, we have some things in common on there. And at the same time, that just gives me the boost to knowing that, man, okay, I am, I am doing something. I am practicing my recovery and I'm sharing my experiences with other people. And it is actually making a difference in other people's lives. Uh, just like we all should be doing in, in talking to other people and, and being open about this stuff, in my opinion, um, you know, to, to really help other people. That's where it's at. That's where the true, um, the true peace is at in our hearts is, is, is right there in helping others. So Justin, my friend, thank you. Number one for reaching out and sharing some of your story. I'm glad I got to share it with, uh, with everyone else out there. Um, I'm sure there's some people that relate to some of the things that you're going through right now and just hang in there, bro, because it, you know, things will get better if you want them to get better. It just takes, it just takes work. It just takes dedication. It takes that want to do it. And it sounds to me like you love your kids and your wife, uh, more than anything, just like I do. And although we can't, we can't use our kids and our, and our wives and our families or our husbands or whatever the case is, we can't use our loved ones or our jobs or anything as a crutch to get sober because it doesn't work like that. We have to want to get sober in ourselves. So when, when we can do that, next will come, you know, the, the gift of giving back to our family, to our friends, to our loved ones, um, the person that we really are, not the drunk that we really are, or the drug addict that we really are, or the combination of both. This is another email that I received. I also wanted to share. Uh, this comes from Jeff in Alaska. And Jeff says, I'm 52 years old. I've been struggling with alcohol and drug addiction since my early teens. I haven't used hard drugs in a long time now. I'm currently wanting to quit drinking, but as of yet have not been able to. I've been able to control my drinking. I don't miss work because of my drinking, but I still feel like shit when I come in in the morning. I guess I'm drinking because I don't want to feel what I feel. At the same time, I believe my drinking is contributing to my depression. I'm not even sure why I'm writing this to you. I get that a lot, actually, when, when people write me, they, they start writing and they start expressing themselves and, you know, telling, telling me what's on their mind. And then about three quarters or halfway through, they say, I don't even know why the fuck I'm writing this right now. Well, let me give you, let me give everyone out there who has done this, not maybe just with, with the podcast on this show, but maybe on a, on a different letter or email or even verbally talking to somebody. I don't even know why I'm saying this right now. You're saying it because it's what you feel and it's okay to say it, all right? It's okay to express the way that we feel. It's okay to communicate with other people, whether it's a stranger or your closest loved one. It doesn't matter. We're human beings. We're, we're made to communicate with each other. We're made with deep emotions that have to get out of us. And when we bottle them up inside and turn to the bottle to suppress that, you know, that's when, that's when we have problems. So, 
So Jeff, what you're doing is, is great. Keep doing it. And if you don't have anyone to talk to, grab a journal, you know, grab, grab a piece of paper, start writing those thoughts down. I guarantee you it will work at least actually I'm not the fucking men's warehouse. I don't guarantee shit. Okay. But what I can tell you is that it worked for me. Okay. Putting shit down on, on a paper with a pen and writing, it works. It's very therapeutic. It doesn't matter if it doesn't even make sense. It doesn't matter. Just get those thoughts out. So anyways, Jeff, Jeff finishes up and he says, I've been listening to your podcast on Stitcher at work today. I keep hoping that listening to guys like you will help, help be the catalyst to the end of my drinking. Anyways, just wanted to say thanks for what you do. Sincerely, Jeff. So Jeff, thanks, man. I appreciate the, um, the, the nice words there. I'm glad that you like the show and I'm glad that it's, it's helping. I hope that I can continue, um, you know, this project and continue to have good guests on and continue just to talk about and share different things that can help, um, anybody out there who's experienced some of the same stuff. If you have anything that you'd like to share, please email me sobriety at that sober com. If you have a little story you'd like to share, just some thoughts, um, I do read, I do read them on the show sometimes. So if it's something that's interesting, if it's, um, if it's something, I don't know, just fucking send me whatever you want. I don't give a shit. If it's, if it's cool, I'll read it. If, if, uh, if you don't want me to read it, you know, write it in there. Hey, I don't want you to read this, but here's what I'm thinking or whatever. That's great too. I don't read everything. So today's episode, I want to talk about denial and the three stages of denial. Some some of the things that are huge in recovery, or let, let me say this actually, let me put it this way. The one thing that is very huge in, in recovery is getting to the state of wanting to be in recovery. And there's one word that I, well, there's probably a few words, but there's one word in particular that I'm thinking of called denial that is usually a huge obstacle for many, many people. And it's rooted deep down within, and it's very, very hard to recognize it. It doesn't matter how many people tell you something, or for some people, it doesn't matter how many times they've been to jail or how many DUIs they've had or how many failed marriages or friendships or jobs they've lost. It just the denial is so bad that all of that stuff is they're blinded. They're blinded by it. And, and I wish I had an answer on, you know, in, in a sentence on how you can cure that denial. But from my experience, all I know is that it has to come from within. It has to come from the person and that they really, you know, you really have to want to quit. I really had to want to get sober. And, and that was really the only way to break that denial. And then, you know, after that comes the acceptance of it. And, and there's a whole, there's a whole cycle, you know, there's a whole chain that you kind of start from the, from the bottom and you work your way up. And so denial in relationship to treatment of chemical dependency, it comes in three stages. Each stage has an intellectual and a spiritual dimension. So we're going to talk about stage one denial. There's three stages. This is the first one. Stage one denial is when a person truly does not believe that they have the disease of chemical addiction. They may accept being addicted to a particular drug 
and still deny having the illness. They also could deny having a problem with drugs in spite of overwhelming evidence to the contrary. Another considers themselves to be a drug abuser, but not chemically dependent. So there's dozens of different ways to express the stage of denial, all leading to the same place. The person does not accept the idea that they have an illness, which requires nothing short of total abstinence from all mind-altering drugs for the solution. Many of us, and I get this question a lot too, I don't drink, but I still smoke weed. Okay, and my personal opinion on on weed is, you know, if you're not an addict, if somebody if somebody's not an alcoholic, they don't have a chemical dependency problem and they just like a, a normal drinker would have a beer or something, you know, I don't personally I don't see what's wrong with somebody smoking a little herb if they if if they want to. It's their choice. Okay, but us addicts and alcoholics, if we say we're going to quit drinking, let me speak for myself. I keep doing that fucking shit. My apologies. I'm not trying to, I, I, I want to do that because I'm a student of this game too. Okay. So I never, ever want to come across like I'm some on some fucking pedestal trying to tell anybody what to do. And it probably doesn't even sound like that, but I, I'm very, I'm very uh, conscious of that. So for me, when like I would go back and forth so many times, like I would drink, I would drink, I would drink. And then I, I would start to get really, I, you know, shit would happen and it'd start to get really bad. And then I would stop for a while, uh, maybe a couple weeks. I think I even quit for, you know, for a month at one point. And I've talked about that before. And, but not the time I quit for a month, but just all the times before that, when I would just say, okay, I'm not going to drink for a while. I'm going to take a little break. That was always, that was always the thing. I'm going to take a break. I'm, I'm just going to take a little break from drinking. I've been drinking too much. I need to cool. I need to cool down for a minute, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't stop. See, I needed that chemical. I needed something to alter my reality, to alter my brain, to alter the way that I felt. I needed to be high. So I smoked weed all day from 5 a.m. The moment I woke up in the morning until whatever time I went to bed, I was high all day long. It didn't matter. And I, I could do, you wouldn't even know it. I mean, you, you would never know it. I did everything. It was just normal. It was just a normal, normal day, at least in my eyes. And so eventually it would go back and I would end up drinking again. You know, just a couple of weeks later, then, then it'd be like, okay, cool. I took a little break. Now I'm ready to get back on, on the horse and, and let's have some, some cocktails one night or whatever, right? And so this cycle continues and continues and continues. And it, it's not a matter, it's not a matter of, of whether it's alcohol, cocaine, marijuana, weed, whatever the fuck you want to call it, pot, dank. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's the fact of how our minds work, how our brains work. We're dependent on chemicals. We're dependent on mind-altering substances to take us out of our reality, whether it's because the pain is too great, whether it's because we're bored. Um, there's a number of different factors. Everyone's situation is, is, well, everyone's situation is very similar, but at the same time, everyone's situation situation is different. So that all depends. So, you know, trading off, what I'm getting at here is trading off for me, I can't just say, you know what? I don't drink anymore. I'm just going to smoke pot. 
because I can guarantee you it might take 30 days. It might take six months. It might take a year. I don't know how long it will take exactly, but I know it'll happen is I'll end up drinking again if I were to smoke some weed. And proof to this is when I did quit for the 30 days at one point, um, I think it was like 2011, the end of 2011, I, I got in some trouble and that was it. I was quitting drinking. You know, it was, it was basically to get my ass out of trouble from my wife and because I was doing stupid shit. I'm done. And, you know, I think I went two weeks without smoking any weed or anything, drinking, obviously. And then I think we went to a Raider game and I couldn't drink it. It was, it was really uncomfortable. You know, everyone's drinking, having a good time. And here I am fucking sober, you know, not, but, but I'm, I'm, I'm dry sober. There's no, it's just, I'm not drinking. There's no type of recovery involved in it, if that makes sense. So it's, it's, it's ridiculous at that point. Cause I'm only quitting. So I, I don't have to, to be in the trouble I'm in. I'm trying to get myself out of it. Anyways, I'm babbling. So we go to the Raider game and I go, you know what? I'm not drinking. That's what gets me in trouble. I think I'm going to smoke a little weed. So I got high as fuck at the Raider game, right? It felt fucking great. Okay. And then a couple days went by and I got high again. And then a couple of days went by and I got high again. And within that 30 day period, it was right around New Year's. I was like, you know what? I'm cool. I think we sat down. It was on New Year's Eve. My wife was cooking some dinner and I was like, you know what, babe? Hey, I'm good. I'm going to have a glass of wine. I can do it. I'm just going to have a glass of wine. And a year and a half later, I ended up in, in rehab, you know, with, with some terrible, terrible thoughts going through my mind, not giving a fuck about anything or anyone really because of the selfish things I was doing. Internal acceptance of chemical dependency is a completely different issue. It requires a basic conversation in the belief system, which is the innermost self, heart or spirit. Internal acceptance is a process, not an event. One cannot come to believe something new in the innermost self by simply willing it to happen. That would be like planting a seed in the ground on Monday and expecting to have an apple tree on Friday. Once the seed has been planted, it needs time to root. It also needs proper nourishment for growth and maturity. This is the same way someone comes to accept being chemically dependent. The seed is planted in the innermost self of the person who admits that they have the problem by their own words. Once planted, it is nourished by the continuation of the same process, admitting Admitting it, acceptance. The more one admits to having the condition, the more one comes to believe in their innermost self. This is expressed by the popular slogan, you have to give it away to keep it. Makes sense, right? So let's move on to stage two denial. Stage two denial is when a person denies the need for ongoing sobriety support after treatment is completed. It represents denial of being powerless. Just because you agree to go to meetings after treatment is completed does not mean that you're going to do it. It's important to understand that good intentions in treatment don't guarantee program action after discharge. Once out from under the influence of the peer group, some people will go their own way. They will never attend a single support meeting in their home community unless they have a profound change in their inner perception of both the problem and the corresponding solution. This is sometimes called a spiritual awakening or a moment of clarity. 
Good intentions are not enough. The absence of this inner perception keeps the person in the second stage of denial. This problem has to be corrected in the innermost self before any long-term sobriety can be obtained. So the real action takes place in the spirit, the innermost self, not in the mind. It's not in the understanding. And this is why many people see the recovery process as a spiritual, not psychological process. It takes place in the heart, not the head. So let's talk about real quick, the spiritual awakening. Have you had a spiritual awakening yet? Do you know what a spiritual awakening is? Maybe you have had it. Maybe you don't know if you've had it. How do we know if we've had it? Um, you know, I, I don't have an answer for you. I wish I did. And, and, and the thing is, is it comes from you. It comes from innermost self. In my opinion, I believe the spiritual awakening. It starts with getting out of the, the denial, you know, the acceptance and the honesty. And once you open that door up and you admit, I have a problem, I'm an alcoholic, I'm an addict, then that spiritual awakening can begin to take place just like the seed can begin to grow because it's getting water. It's getting the things that it needs to start growing. Just like we need treatment, we need therapy, we need honesty, we need education. That's huge. We need to educate ourselves on all of these things, on our, on our own minds, on our bodies, on our hearts, on our souls. By, and how do we do that? It's not just by reading a book. It's communicating with others. It's hearing other people's stories. It's hearing what's worked for other people, what hasn't worked for other people. That's how we really connect. Overcoming stage two denial. Overcoming the second stage of denial requires the successful transference of dependency from self to a greater power, greater than oneself for maintaining an ongoing sobriety. If you are depending on your own conscious power to do this, you're in the second stage of denial. And this is true regardless of how long you've been sober. Many people have painfully discovered this having relapsed after years of continuous sobriety. So that gets back to working our recovery, staying plugged in. Just like I got unplugged for a couple of weeks and I feel it. I know when I'm unplugged now. I know it. I know what I need. I need to get plugged back in. And you have to. That's spiritually connected to your higher power, to your God, to your program, whatever it is that keeps you connected. You have to stay connected. It's so important and involving the support group around you at the same time. Um, so the, the persistence of this denial is astonishing to many who continue to attempt abstinence by themselves in spite of repeat failures. It seems that they're incapable of grasping the notion that they're not all powerful. Like I'm, I'm not a God. Okay. I can't control everything around me. And, and once we're able to see that, that look, it's not going to be Shane's way all the time. You know, it just, it's not going to be, once I stopped trying to control that all the time, damn, my life got easier. There's still shit I got to deal with, but it's much easier knowing that I'm not God. I can't control outer circumstances. I can only control my reaction to outer circumstances and that's it. I can't control anybody else, how they act. If they're a dipshit, if they're rude, uh, if, if they're so nice, they're annoying because they're so passive. I can't control that. 
I just have to accept it for what it is and control the way that I respond, the way that it makes me feel. So the second stage of denial is easily broken by the transference of dependency from self to the sobriety support fellowship. When a person gets exposure to a a 12-step program, for instance, they initially do it with a great deal of reluctance. How many of us have went to an AA meeting and been like, why the fuck am I here? I'm, this is ridiculous. They smoke cigarettes and drink coffee here and talk about a bunch of shit I don't want to hear. That's all. I mean, that's, that's the stigma of AA straight up. And <clears throat> yeah, does some of that go on? Absolutely. But does it save motherfuckers lives? Absolutely. And it helps save my life. What they usually find before too long is that something very powerful is happening to them. And this is after you start to embrace a program, embrace recovery. Externally, emotions are charged with positive energy. A feeling of belonging begins to replace the old feelings of guilt and worthlessness. Acceptance is now gradually replacing compliance. Remember, this is a process that's taking place in spite of early resistance not an event that happens as a result of a decision. Miraculously, as a result of exposure, an internal unseen transference of dependency is taking place in the innermost self. This newfound power seen as the fellowship is now taking the place of the illusion of power that used to dominate the person with so many empty promises. Damn, I hate that word, empty promises. Because how many times did I hear empty promises growing up and how many times did I make empty promises to myself and the ones that I love? And thank God I don't have to do that anymore. The internal development of this transference of dependency from self to the support fellowship takes time. We got to be patient. It doesn't happen overnight. We're creatures of immediate gratification. It does not work like that. Patience, my friend, as the old sensei would say, gotta be patient. Gotta, gotta be patient. Let me, let me share a quick story about patience. I don't know if I've shared this one, but it's one that I, that I always remembered and that I always loved. And my, my, um, my counselor, James, who I've spoke about many times on here, um, he told, he told a story one time about back in a, he was in a, in an AA meeting and he was sitting next to a sponsor and in the AA meetings, sometimes there's people who only go just to get their chip, right? And everyone knows they're full of shit. And so James is in an AA meeting and it's the same guy that comes every time to get his chip because he celebrated his, he never goes any other time just to get his chip. And so he's standing up there after he gets his chip and he starts to make his speech, right? About, you know, his recovery and this and that. And James and everyone else in the room knows that this guy's full of shit. They've seen him out. They know what he's all about. They know that he's lying through his teeth and that he's full of dog shit. Dog shit. Is that even worse? I think so. So anyways, James decides... I'm not fucking listening to this. That's how he says it. You got to get that fucking in there. I'm not fucking listening to this asshole. And so he stands up and he starts to walk out of the room and his sponsor grabs him by the arm. He says, hey, where the fuck are you going? And James said, I'm not sitting here listening to this asshole. Spill all this bullshit to everyone. And his his sponsor told him, he said, hey, you're going to sit down 
And you're going to listen to this asshole and you're going to practice your patience. And that always stuck with me when I'm sitting in a situation where I I don't want to be or that I'm starting to get irritated or uh, something's bugging me and I don't want to hear it. I don't want to be there. You know, I, I, I remember that story. And, and so this goes into, you know, we can take situations and we can turn them into positive ones. So rather than bitch and complain about this asshole up there, who's lying through his teeth about everything, we take that situation that, you know, we, we would never get anything out of other than complain about it afterwards to everybody. And we turn it into a positive or, or by using it to practice our patience. So remember that one. That's a good one. Stage three denial. Stage three denial is the denial of the need to be willing to go to any lengths in the recovery process. It is the indicator that you have other priorities that are just as more important than the maintenance of sobriety. The commitment to sobriety may be strong. However, the commitment to its maintenance is weak. This condition will usually escalate in one of two directions. This condition will usually escalate in one of two directions in time. One direction is to increase commitment and involvement when living problems intensify, and the other direction is to eventually withdraw from one program completely, which usually leads to a relapse. One does not stay in the third stage of denial for long. It always seems to go one way or the other. Another indicator of the third stage of denial is the rejection of the steps. Total abstinence from alcohol and drugs will produce sobriety. But practicing the living principles in a 12-step program will produce recovery. Sobriety with no recovery will usually lead to relapse. It's only a matter of time. And I saw that with guys who had many, many years of sobriety. 11, 12, 13, 14 years of straight sober living a, living a, a good life. And then all of a sudden, one day, I just felt like having a drink. And they drank. And then ended up in jail. Some of them ended up dead. So we got to be on top of it. Overcoming stage three denial. The third stage of denial is dismantled by the constant recommitment to active participation in the recovery support groups of your choice. Getting involved is the fastest way to overcome it. So what do you do for your recovery? Do you listen to podcasts? Do you read? Do you go to AA? Do you go to NA? Do you have different support groups in your church? What do you do? And whatever it is you do, do it well. Do it the best you can and stay plugged in as I will try my best to do the same and you try your best to do the same. That's all we can do is do the best we can. And if we're doing the best we can, the the rest will fall into place and uh and and if it doesn't you know hey that's when we realize we can't control that we're not gods we don't control outer circumstances all we do is try our best and we control how we react to that so wrapping this up tonight i do want to say i um it feels good to get to get on to get on the microphone again and talk a little bit. Like I said, this, this recovery thing is a daily, a daily process. It really is. It's, it's a moment by moment thing. It's not just all about drinking and and using drugs 
and depression. It's not all about that. It's about the positive things as well that, that it takes to really live a life and, and be sober and be clear minded because it's, it's not easy every day, but with some willpower, some determination, um, some respect, some honesty, anybody can do it. Anybody can do it. And, uh, I'm proof. And there's many, many, many thousands and thousands and thousands of other folks out there who are living proof as well. Email me if you have any questions, sobriety at that sober Let me know what you think of the show. A rating on iTunes would be great. You go to the iTunes reviews tab, click on that. It helps other people find the show. Peace, love, respect. Keep your blood clean. This has been another episode of That Sober Guy Podcast on Recovery Radio with Shane Raymond. For more information, visit www.thatsoberguy.com or you can email Shane at sobriety at thatsoberguy.com. Thanks again for listening and enjoy a sober, healthy, happy life.